Happy Wacky Wednesday. Welcome back to Akira Minute, the only English language podcast where we have every single minute of the blockbuster 1988 anime Akira flickering in and out inside of our heads. I'm Richard Dunham from DunhamRC.com, acting as one of your co-hosts. I am Jack Stovold from jacksdiscovery.libson.com. Hey, and I'm the guest for this week. I'm Chris Frain, and I do a Movies by Minute podcast called This Means Something About Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Thanks for coming back for a hump day. You're on Acuity Minute, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Today, we're talking about Minute 63 of Akira, which starts with Tetsuo recognizing the person who's been invading his head. And it ends with a couple of guards putting their hands up. (laughs) Gods. Gods. Leave us. So, when he realizes he recognizes Akira... This in the minute before that, we just got this silent because she's in the bubble, I guess, telepathic communication. And from that, is he realizing that he's putting two and two together that if she hadn't told him, maybe this would have gone differently? I don't know. Is she speaking to him also or is she speaking to the other kids and he's just picking it up? Yeah, I, I, I hate to go back to 62 on this, but... Um, Ugh, that old thing. But it seems to be what what triggers this for him. Yeah, I think just hearing the name, like he hadn't... Because he was muttering it earlier in the movie when he was unconscious, but I don't think he's... It's been an unconscious thing rattling around in his head, and now he has a right. name for it, and he's like, oh, that's what that is. Like, his, it's, it's his mashed potatoes. Mashed potato exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's going to clown college. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, wait. They've, they've already graduated from clown college. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah. now I have to go back. I have to go back to 62. So what exactly does, at the end of that minute, she says, yeah, she mentioned bad things will come of it. Mind your business. Well, okay, we don't hear what's... More powerful than I am now. Yes. So, yeah, Tetsuo says, Nani? So, that's... What? Something more powerful than me? So, we don't know exactly what she says about this more powerful. Yeah, my feeling is she's trying to warn the other kids. Like, he could be more powerful than Akira. We We have to stop him or something. Okay. So, it's more a case of... Him, Tetsuo hears something that's not intended for him to hear, but he, he yeah. That's what I think, yeah. Like, she's, okay. that she's makes saying, sense. we gotta stop him, he'll be more powerful than Akira, and he's like, who that? What are you talking about? Oh, that's that oh, guy that that's guy. in my head. Yeah. And my note for here is, from this moment on, like, this is where the plot is, the basic plot of the movie is finally hatched. Where Akira is the MacGuffin. Yeah. Tetsuo knows, okay, there's something out there that's that I need to get. 
or get in contact with or defeat. Because in my mind right now, I am the most powerful person in the universe. And yet there's a threat to me. Yeah. And from this, in this minute, like, uh, not only does Tetsuo realize that, but everybody else in their own way realizes that he must be thwarted. Yeah. And so we've gone, you know, an hour into this movie without having that main dynamic revealed up until now, which is fine. I, I have no problem with that. And I think it's at this minute that kind of having that more powerful being actually defines his level of power. I don't know that he thought of himself as the most powerful right. being in, until he heard that there was somebody more powerful. He was just going to the nursery to get back at these kids who were messing with him. He didn't really right. understand exactly what was happening, but now... Now he's like, well, shit, look what I can do. Yeah, and as soon as somebody says, oh, you're not the you're not the strongest, it's back to that old rivalry he has yep. with with Kaneda, which basically defines his psyche and his whole life. Right. Yep. All yeah. right. So it's like, yeah. it's like now, now I'm more powerful than Kaneda, but what? There's another, like, Kaneda above me? That's always that a bigger cannot, fish. It's always a I can defeat Kaneda. him. We can make things the way we <laughs> the want way them we to want be. Them to be. <laughs> Your new universe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's like, I'm the yeah, I'm top dog. So there can't be another a topper dogger. It would said you would defeat the children, not join them. <laughs> not join them. <laughs> you were the special pattern. <laughs> There is a lot in this movie that I think directly informs both the prequels and the sequels. I mean, yeah, it, it's no mistake that we're quoting those a lot. And it's one of, yeah, because it's one of those like accidental chosen one sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it goes back play. to the Matrix as well. It's a chosen yeah. one who's all powerful. And who can bend reality around them. And yeah, especially Last Jedi, because Last Jedi makes me think about the Force more than any of the movies. And that's why I love it so much, because it has so many great ideas about, you know, maybe deepening our understanding of the Force. And then Rise of Skywalker is like, nope. No, nope. it's it's, it's a D and D campaign. Yes, yeah, it's a bunch of wizards <laughs> with swords. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. I don't know. I, I I don't know if you're a massive fan of Rise of Skywalker. I I no. I'm on the same page you are. I I, I Last Jedi was so exciting for me because it's like, oh wow, this is going to go in some different directions, yeah. but not in any way that does like extreme violence to Star Wars. It's just expanding on it and taking yeah. it into different metaphysical territory and then last jet i was like nope it's all it's all just uh, what what did i say did i say last Last jet i twice yeah 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 rise of skywalker was basically nope she's related to the emperor and uh all must be defeated and it's a family soap opera again yeah 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 and the one whoever has the most lightsabers wins right and it's a MacGuffin (laughs) chase after MacGuffin chase but the MacGuffin doesn't mean anything. So yes. it's like, eh. It's a video game fetch quest. Yeah. And yeah, that's because that's, <laughs> that's why I loved Last Jedi so much. Because it's 
my feeling is like if you're gonna keep making movies, then you know, go somewhere, but, go somewhere yeah. with it, go somewhere different, make it deeper. So it's yeah, or we could just do the same thing over and over again, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, the especially this minute there's so much going on with uh whatever this i don't know this force is this power yes so that is (laughs) yeah you mentioned possibly in the green room the colonel saying what what does he say exactly uh doesn't finish his sentence but he it's just like no way. Akira is already dead. I love that. I love when you can tease a little, like, mm-hmm. foreshadowing, plot, big plot detail, whatever, but not quite have the audience really understand where it's going. Right. It's, it's great. It's something that, you know, it's that kind of thing that makes your hair stand up on your arm only when you've already seen the movie. Right. <laughs> right. So it's like, oh, because you know how that sentence is going to end even though he doesn't finish it and that and the children are just talking about Akira like matter of factly like for them it's just a matter of course like he still exists in some fashion right and like the colonel and the doctor just they don't conceive of that they just think well he's dead dead is dead but for the kids and like I assume, like, their understanding of it is just like, oh, well, they're like little kids. They just, they don't really, uh, they have a child's understanding. They just think, well, he's like their imaginary friend. But, mm-hmm. but they actually know that he exists in some form still, just not in this plane of existence. Is this the first mention of Akira in the movie, other than as, like, I think there are scenes of like the sort of spiritual protest. I don't know what else to call it, but like these like religious demonstrations that are part of the overall like resistance to the authoritarian government. Cause don't they, they paint in big letters. <laughs> yeah. And the, the colonel yeah. has already visited the, uh, Oh, the chamber, the, the chamber, cryogenic, yeah. the cryogenic. Yeah. Okay. Chamber. never mind. Yeah. But we don't and know it. I mean, Tetsuo has muttered his name, but up till now we yeah, have. We don't know that it's actually a kid. Yeah. Or have yeah. we? Have we seen the flashbacks yet of them in the lab? We have, but I don't know that his name was associated with one of the kids. Didn't we? Yeah, we don't. Like, there's. It's been very vague on like what he is. It's just a name. Yeah, that we've heard until now. We know it's important, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Although I think you see him, yeah, when Tetsuo's freaking out on the street, and it flashes all those images, you do see his face I think, uh. in that moment. But we don't know what that is. And didn't at we that see, time. again? Didn't we see him in the flash? Did we already see the flashbacks of the kids in the research center? No, no, not yet. Okay, like we saw Tetsuo going to the orphanage. Oh, okay, okay. We haven't seen them playing with the. TV reception or anything? <laughs> no, that's that. That's I think that's towards the very end, right? That's oh, okay. that's the like that's like the last yeah. week. Yeah. So the the thing I found weird watching this minute before our recording is Takashi is the one explaining stuff to Tetsuo, like he's the spokesman, and I would have right 
before this scene, if he would have said, oh, this is what's happened, the kids explain stuff to him, I would have assumed that would have been Masaru doing the explaining yeah. because he's like the more mature one. He's the family feud host. <laughs> so we are, of course, talking about Tiny Louis Anderson. Tiny um. Louis Anderson and... <laughs> Uh, you mentioned the dead zone. I would like to see somehow a tiny Christopher Walken <laughs> playing Takashi. Oh, by the way, uh, I forgot to mention yesterday when you said that. I choose to believe that's just uh, reality in the world that whenever Christopher Walken touches you, you see how you will die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah regardless I mean, of the circumstance. Yeah, yeah. I, I just assume that is true. <laughs> He's like uh, the Cyclops guy in... Uh, Crawl. Starring our favorite Mackie. That's right. The Eddington movie, as I call it. (laughs) Stay tuned. I think we're going to do a bonus episode on that on my Deep Space Nine podcast, Reopening the Wormhole. Uh, uh, The stereo sound of that in the theater. Uh, I've never seen that movie. It was either seeing the movie or the previews or both. Or they had that, like, you know, the, the shuriken, like the throwing star thing. Right. The groblug or whatever. It <laughs> the sound of it going, like, around the theater was ah, so around awesome. Sound. Yes. <laughs> uh, so Tetsuo was like, where is he? And as he says this... Um, Watch it in slow motion, because we get like some fantastic, gross, like uh, grumpy toddler faces from Tetsuo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> fantastic Like he's there. sneezing also. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it is almost like that face that you see on a baby when he's about to start bawling, and you're like, no, 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 don't, don't do it. Yeah, and he shatters the bubble and rips the... Uh... The pink bedding, all the shreds. Poor Kyoko. Poor Kyoko. That was a really quick turn to the dark side, by the way. Because, I, I mean, not to talk too much Star Wars, but... Uh, I don't mind. I mean, this is it. He's fully... In the three minutes that I've been on this podcast, like, he realizes what he wants and does not want anything to hinder him from it. And now it's just full-on violence towards any... Yeah, yeah. Towards any oppositional force. I mean, that's a pretty quick turn. Yes. However, the visuals of this and the emotion of this, I think, is what we all had in our head canon for some moment where that would be in the Star Wars prequels where Anakin turns, like where he just like opens up the ground around him or something. You know. Yeah. And and sends everybody flying. And we didn't, we didn't really get that. <laughs> well, I can tell you as a long-time Star Wars fan, there's can't tell you how much of my childhood was spent imagining yeah. Anakin stuff, and then the prequels came out, and it was not that. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to see him, yeah. You don't even get to see him, like, killing Jedis. I wanted to see that, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just children. Yeah, just young Yeah, that, that, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> if we're going to have, like, 50,000 minutes of lightsaber fights, let's just have him 
cutting down other Jedi's, man. That's what I wanted to see. Both uh, in and out of the suit. So yeah, Tetsuo, better than Anakin. And he doesn't dither about it either. No. (laughs) No, there's no big wind-up in speech and whatever. It just, he just does it. I think what's interesting visually is that it goes into slow motion as the impact of the psionic force or whatever hits the the bubble and shatters it. So it gives us the audience like, ooh, let's kind of watch this for a lot longer than it than it should be. And I think this is a visually a trope that I saw immediately after this, and certainly with Matrix and whatever. Yeah. Totally. Like this definitely got played up more of like you shoot the thing and it happens in real time, you know, either a force or a bullet or an artillery shell, whatever. But at, at the moment of impact, that's when everything slows down. You know, with the Matrix, it would be. And then the camera spins around it, you know, mm-hmm. 180 degrees. And Yeah, it's, it's like, I don't know. It speaks to that uh, very primal male part of the brain. It's like, I want to see things blowing up and I want to see how it works. It's like, yeah. It's like the photo of the apple going through the bullet, like or the bullet right, going through right, the right, apple. Right, it's like right. it's like I want to see that. Right. It's too fast to see in normal vision, so slow it down. Which is also impressive because it's extremely difficult to do convincing slow motion in animation because you can't just slow the film down. <laughs> that doesn't work because they're drawings. And when whenever you see it, usually in anime, it's just like the frame rate slows down. Like you see right. glasses, the glasses here, and then like the next frame, it's just there, and they use like a little blur. But <laughs> Akira, they do the they go the whole hog. They spend the money to do slow motion. You just have to draw a shitload more pictures. Basically, it's a, it's a terrible strain on the animator's wrist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Suffice it to say, it's awesome to see shit blow, get blown up real good, like the bubble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we see the effects uh, on the, uh, I guess this is outside, because this is still the eighth level basement, right? What do you mean by outside? Well, outside of the, the uh, baby room, we cut to the hallway. Oh, kind of. The green um, hallway. Green hallway. Yeah. We see the, the pipes smoking. Or I don't know if that's clouds of dust or if it's... Yeah, there's like dust coming out of the, the ceiling. Yeah, and also implying like... Implying that there's some sort of seismic activity. Yeah, but they're also like in that little alcove of, of the pipes, you see like little billowing clouds of... Could be still dust or it could be like steam or something. It's a nice little detail. Yeah. I am confused by this uh, elevator... <laughs> thing though like with the floors like what is going on here oh the uh you mean the the way that it only stops at certain floors like the yeah or just i i don't know i guess i haven't been in that many elevators and like super tall buildings oh. like what uh yeah the numbering system is strange yeah that's that's what i'm getting at i used to work in the sears tower and it doesn't surprise me like it would not be efficient you'd be waiting forever to get to your office if you yeah if there was just one elevator you had to stop which stopped at every floor so like yeah because yeah i'm thinking about that because i I, yeah i guess i just haven't been in that many skyscrapers but like because i work in a five-story building often and it's like 
even that with like five floors, it's just like, ugh, when is the freaking elevator going to get down here? <laughs> exactly, yes. Yeah. So there's usually banks of elevators, like a, each bank of elevator will, will serve a different set of floors. So this, this makes sense to me. Well, I guess I'm just stupid. You just haven't uh, haven't lived in, uh, you're just a country mouse. Yeah, Neo, Neo Fukuoka is just not <laughs> at the same level. I love this goes down to the 13th level basement. The 13th floor. There we go. Another another reference to a reality building. Yeah. And then it's, yeah. so A lesser matrix. So I guess we don't know. There could be other elevators which go even lower than, than the 13th basement. Well, it's a good thing uh, Kyoko pointed Kaneda and K in the right direction. Yeah. Right elevator. I love I love this scene. This is, you know, Chris was asking in the in the green room if there is a similar scene in any other movie where it's just something as crazy as this is waiting uh, on the other side of elevator doors. I can't think of one. It feels like there is though, but I also can't think of it. I I know you mentioned Jurassic Park, and uh, there is no scene of a dinosaur getting out of an elevator. <laughs> sadly. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't rule it out for one of the Jurassic Worlds. I haven't seen the second one yet. Or of a dinosaur uh, impatiently like tapping its foot and looking at its <laughs> yeah. watch, waiting for the elevator to show. Yes. Um, dino- no, I just... Dinosaurs discussing their weekend while riding the elevator. <laughs> that long, curved raptor claw keep hitting the close button. <laughs> I No, I feel like... There's an action movie or two or 12 where there are like guards standing there and the the doors open and like there's either like the end of a fight scene that you didn't get to see and like someone is just like (laughs) torn apart inside the elevator as it opens or the doors open and there's like a bomb that goes off or the doors open and there's somebody with standing there with a like an M60 machine gun or, or something like that. But I can't place it. The closest I could think of, um, I wrote in my notes that there's a scene in like an improbable sort of like goofy scene in True Lies where they like fly in on a, <laughs> on a Harrier or something that's just floating outside the window. Uh-huh. That yes, kind of reminded me of this. <laughs> I, yeah. It's somewhere in my gray Is there matter. in one of the Terminator movies, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Dude. It's in there. It, it's it's like a... Yeah, it's got to be a James Cameron kind of thing. There, something you just said, though, about like the elevator opening and there's just like a body just like ripped to shreds in it. That is very familiar. It feels like something I've seen in the last year, but I cannot tell you what it is, but I know that's something. Yeah. This means something. <laughs> How did they get that no, little... No, I swear to God, though, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I've seen that. Uh, write in, acuraminute at gmail.com <laughs> if you know what this movie is. How did they get that what, Chris? That that little flying scooter thing in there. That's that's what I like to know about. I mean, uh, yeah, Tetsuo's gotten pretty good at uh, flying that thing in the... So is Kaneda. Yeah, Kaneda has gotten pretty good at flying that thing in the past five minutes. It's like the uh, it's like how no version of King Kong will show you how they got the ape onto the ship. That's just something. It's like don't 
Don't think about that. It's balloons. It just happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how they got him off the ship in uh, the the classic King Kong versus Godzilla. Uh, check out the Ape Cast to hear coverage of both of those films. Yeah, did he back this thing in, or did it? <laughs> or was there? Is this? Yeah, is this is this one of those elevators that has doors on both sides? Did he like turn it around? Did he have room to turn it around inside the elevator? And then I picture Austin Power. That scene in Austin Power is yes. where he gets <laughs> the thing stuck, and he's like, <laughs> yes. "Hold on, hold on." Ah, <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I just said uh, this is a great, uh, <laughs> a great scene. And it is funny. I mean, I remember everyone in the theater. I mean, we were all first-time viewers. I remember everybody laughing at this, like, but in a good way. Not <laughs> laughing at it, but laughing with it, I guess. You know, that it's kind of ridiculous that, that they're in the elevator with this. That's what I love about Canada. Every time he hasn't been in the movie for a while... When he, whenever he pops back in, it gives gives you like a little sense of lightness and fun because there's some there's some serious shit going on <laughs> in the baby room. <laughs> once once the psychic power hits, you're gonna see some serious shit. But uh, anytime Kaneda pops back in, it's just like oh, hey. fun Kaneda, what a what a fun guy. <laughs> so uh, here's another scene where a bunch of stuff is flying up. <laughs> from the ground yes so you you asked uh, earlier in the week like how dirty are yeah. the floors apparently they're pretty <laughs> dirty there's a lot of yeah. stuff to to be kicked up this is just wind power picking it up though now right yes yeah yeah we assume that the bikes don't run on psychic psychic energy stored in some kind of battery nope that's only for a masara's vehicle i just bought a hybrid and uh <laughs> every once in a while like if I'm going downhill and I take my foot off the gas, it'll it'll tell me that it's running on psychic power. <laughs> so it's powered by my own sense of self-esteem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my one note here is that um, the traditional use of lines to indicate air moving still do a good job. Yeah, true. It's, it's it convinces me that there's you know wind and force behind it just draw some lines you know directional lines at something you guys don't just see lines all the time when the wind blows <laughs> is that just me yeah still does a good job at conveying the the unseeable all right anything else for uh minute 63 no those are my notes yeah i'm good well chris can you uh, make it back for uh another uh day of recording tomorrow i cannot be stopped okay <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we'll see you and our listeners here again tomorrow on Akira Minute. Minute. Minute.